Sometimes I sort of forget in the middle of uh, a worship time like that when you're, you're singing your heart out and uh, I sort of forget that uh, I have to preach twice on a Sunday morning and uh, I need to look after my voice. But, uh, you know, you start, to, you start to sing a verse and you suddenly find yourself croaking a bit and you think, oh, okay. <laughs> need to be careful here. Okay, we're going to, this morning, be bringing our community, Creating Community series to its conclusion. And in that, we're going to be looking back a little bit, uh, but also we shall be looking a little bit into what is uh, on your bulletin, Serve One Another. But uh, I've actually sort of, for my own preparation, really sort of changed the title a little bit into Called Into Community. Because we are community. We may be scattered during the week, but we are community. Look around you. Look around you for a moment. We are community. But you're very much a small part of community, or the community of Breton Baptist, and we shall be looking at that Uh, as we progress this morning. And I've not forgotten any prayers of intercession, but they're going to come as part of our our sermon, our looking into God's words this morning. And uh, But let's turn to God's word, first of all. And uh, just picking up that, that theme of serve one another, I just want to use a number of little scriptures that actually speak into that, uh, just to set the scene. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And uh, we've had the disciples arguing. Disciples of Jesus never argue, do they? About who's the most important and where they're going to sit in the kingdom of God when it arrives. Who's going to sit on the left and who's going to sit on the right? And uh, Jesus wants none of that. He says, that's what the world does. He says, that's what the... The religious people, that's what the world does. They argue about importance and who's important and who isn't. And he says this in verse 43 of chapter 10. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Wow. Just pause. Let that sink in. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What then to turn to the book of Galatians? Uh, Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. And in this letter, he has been trying to outline for for the church there the difference between living by the law and living by the Spirit, living by the world and living by the Spirit. And he's wanting to draw out what it is that uh, makes the Spirit living by the Spirit so important. And he says in chapter 5 and verse 1, "...it is for freedom that Christ has set us free." Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burned again by the yoke of slavery. And in that chapter he goes on and he develops the whole, whole teaching. 
And he then, towards the end of the chapter, he's looking at uh, life by the Spirit, lived in the Spirit. And he says this in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh or to indulge yourself. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he goes on to speak about something about there, the, 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 the attitudes of the flesh and the attitudes of the Spirit. Verse 22, he says, the fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Chapter 6 begins, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also will be tempted, may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Creating community together. Take a step, few steps back, a few weeks to the beginning, and uh, we defined uh, what community is by looking at the Oxford, Oxford Dictionary, and it just simply says, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Recently, I've just come across one or two other sort of definitions of, of community and what community is, is all about. Here's one, a sense of belonging, of being connected with people. Knowing that if you don't show up, someone will notice. Knowing that people care if you show up or not. To have things in common, common values, priorities, beliefs. To have people to share things with. Joys and sorrows, work and play, coffee and cake, stories, burdens, victories and struggles. It speaks something about the the power and the breadth of community. Two other little quotes as well. A community is a group of people who matter to you and to whom you matter. A community is a group of people that care about each other and feel they belong together. 
As I've thought about it this week, I've been thinking about the community here at Bretton Baptist Church and how it's made up and what constitutes our community. I'd have loved to have uh, put a picture up there of all your lovely smiley faces, but the GDPR doesn't allow me without getting your express permission and what have you. So I've just gone for a silhouetted picture, a variety of, of people. Bretton Baptist Church, what, who makes up Bretton Baptist Church? Well, just as a rough estimate, I picked out 16 different nationalities. I'm sure there are more than that. I'm sure there are a lot more than that, actually, when it comes down to it. When we look around the congregation, probably not here, but people where, where people would say, this is the place where I was born. This is where my origins lie. A church of the nations. That's what Bretton Baptist Church is, a church of the nations. But what about the people who come to Bretton Baptist Church? Well, there are those who are retired. There are those who are soon to be retired. Hey, Nick? That's it, yeah. So you thought I was thinking about me, didn't you? That's it. But uh, he's, he's there before I am. <laughs> That's it. Sorry, Nick, I shouldn't. <laughs> but employed... Uh, Self-employed, employed, employed, out-of-work, homemakers in retail work, local government, manual employment, managers, directors, carers, teachers, accountants, call centre operatives, engineers, electricians, business owners, hairdressers, etc., etc., etc. Sorry if you're not on that list. That doesn't mean to say that you're not valued, because you are. But BBC is a community that spans ages from naught to 90. We've got one of the youngest there at the back. Hey, Caleb, hiya. That's it. Okay. That's, uh, that's it. But uh, brilliant. And yeah, we had one of the oldest, Cyril, the other Sunday, on Remembrance Sunday, sitting, standing here at the front, taking part. I think 97, something like that, mid-90s anyway, there. But think again. There are those who live alone, in family groups, in houses of multiple occupancy, in hostels, in rental accommodation, in sheltered accommodation, in care, care homes, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, and we've had people who've attended who've lived in tents. Who've lived in tents. But then there are also people who are struggling with long-term disabilities, degenerative diseases, cancer, leukaemia, depression, mental health issues, dementia, Alzheimer's, addictions. You can name it. It's there, it's reflected in the fellowship that is Bretton Baptist Church, the community of Bretton Baptist Church. When people ask me about Bretton Baptist Church, I define it very much as, in a sense, yeah, people from all stratas of society... An official membership of just under 200, but a worshipping community probably about 350. When you include children and young people in that. But then there's also people who give to the food bank and those who are grateful for it. This is the community that you belong to. This is the family that you are part of. This is who makes up Bretton Baptist Church when we stop to think about it. 
So with that in front of us, I want us to stop and to pray for this fellowship. And I want you to pray. I want you to pick up some of those things that are there. And just for a moment or two to get, bring short, short prayers of intercession to God. Giving thanks to God for this fellowship. Giving thanks to God for this community. Giving thanks for the people around you. So let's do that. Let's pray. And please, don't just let it be a time of silence. Amen. so diverse but we just pray that we help us to love each other and as we love each other may we love the Lord and so bring glory to him and just encourage one another we pray Amen During the week I've come across this uh, quote by Justin Welburn it, it uh, appeared on my Facebook uh, 
page, when the church is working at its most mind-bogglingly, amazingly, extraordinarily beautiful community on earth, it heals, it transforms, it loves, and it changes society. The power of the church, of the church in action, not just local, but national and global. And we are part of that community. We are part of that community. So just for a moment, we look back. We began by seeing that we are created for community, that God himself is a God of community, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and that he created us to be in community. But we also, we also saw that he is a God who redeemed us for community in and through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are the body of Christ. And if a, a body is a community of individual parts working together and functioning together, but we also recognise that God transforms us in community. We need each other to be transformed. The work of sanctification, the biblical word sanctification, it works through us because of community, because the tool, the agent of transformation within us is the Holy Spirit. The tool of transformation is the Word of God. But the context within that, which that transformation takes place is the community, is the body of Christ. We then went on and we looked at accept one another and how we should accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And in so many of these things, these one another sayings, we find that example of Christ. That we're to accept one another as Christ has accepted you. And we dwelt very much upon that whole question of how Christ has accepted you. He accepted you with arms wide open, freely, sacrificially, David Morton spoke about the importance of unity, about encouraging one another. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong line. To make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And David opened that up for us. And how important it is to keep that sense of unity there. Encourage one another. Derek Tidbold came and shared that and he gave us a, a biblical overview of encouragement. He gave us that aerial view. Encourage one another, building one another up, just as in fact you are doing. Remembrance Sunday was supposed to be a break in it all. But then we came to that passage in, in John where it speaks about greater love hath no man than this, that they lay down their lives for their friends but we realise that there's something bigger going on than that because the verse before it says, this is my command, love each other as I have loved you. Then he says, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their lives for their friends. Not just, it's not talking about war, it's talking about our attitudes, our daily attitudes in life of putting others before ourselves. John last week spoke about value for one another. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of the other. 
One of the things that has struck me as we've gone through this series is that so often we look at community and we think, oh, what are the things that we've got to do together? What are the things that we've got to, that we can put, put on that will build community? Yes, that's part of it. But at the heart of community life is my attitude and your attitude and our attitude. Are we prepared to love one another with the love that Christ has loved us? Are we prepared to accept one another in the same kind of acceptance that Jesus has accepted us? Do we give people that sense of value and significance? When I was preaching about accepting one another, I spoke very much about uh, a time going to an AA meeting. And I went to a number over a period of time. Uh, they seem to have with somebody. But uh, out of that, one of our members wrote something during that sermon in the second service. And I found it so powerful. And But for one word, but to change one word, it could be for all of us. And this is what she wrote. Alcoholics we are, hopeless we are not. We are here for each other, that counts for a lot. In united recovery together we stand to fight this disease that curses our land. Whatever our stories, in these rooms we are at home, for we are family, we don't walk alone. Powerful words. We may not be alcoholics, but we're sinners. And we know what it is to be fallen. And we're all recovering. And we're all battling. And we're all on that same journey. And on that same road. So looking back, let's look for a moment (coughs) at this. Serve one another humbly in love. Galatians 5, verse 13. As we draw things to a close on this series. First of all, we have the example of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I guess the most... The illustration that illustrates that the most is probably Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And it's a story that we know very well, that uh, they're gathering in the upper room, they're all bustling in, they're all rushing in, and there's no one to wash the disciples' feet. So Jesus takes off his robe, wraps a towel around him, takes up the bowl, and just simply washes their feet. One of the things that really struck me about that was he didn't have to do it. But he did it. He didn't have to do it. He could quite easily have said, well, it's not my responsibility. And anyway, I'm the Messiah around here. How about one of you doing it? That's what strikes me about that. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. He did it. 
And it reminds me then of another verse in Scripture, in Philippians chapter 2, where it says, Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And it's just that phrase, he made himself. He made himself. Jesus chose. Jesus chose to make himself nothing and to take the form of a servant. He wasn't ordered to. It wasn't demanded of him. But he chose to. He chose to humble himself there, even unto death, death on a cross. And we know where that ended. It ended in your and my salvation. It ended in us being able to boldly approach the throne of God, of grace, knowing mercy, love and acceptance and forgiveness. And not having the door slammed in our face and to be told you're unworthy. But the door flung wide open saying, yes, you're worthy. Come in. Come in. Why? Because he chose. He chose to take the role of a servant and to serve those who didn't deserve to be served. Who didn't deserve it. But he chose it. We then have the teaching of Paul. Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Now we all love to think that we're strong, don't we? I guess none of us here would put our hands up and say, I'm weak. We all like to think of ourselves as being strong. Well, there's an injunction there for each of us then. Galatians 5, which we've read, and Galatians 6 too, which we've read. What does it mean to serve one another humbly in love or to carry each other's burdens and therefore fulfil the law of Christ? Serving others is an outcome of life in the Spirit. As I've said, the background to Galatians is very much where Paul is contrasting the life lived by the law or lived by the flesh and the life lived by the Spirit. And he's here developing what it is to live by the Spirit. Now, we like to get carried away that life in the Spirit is all about speaking in tongues, all about prophecy, all about healing. Yeah, and it's all of those things. It's all of those things, but it's so, so much more. Did you know that serving is a gift of the Spirit? In Romans chapter 12, it says, if, if it is in serving, in the list of some of the gifts of the Spirit, if it's in serving, then serve. We need to recognise that, yes, that this is a gift of the Spirit, but we also need to recognise that it's an, it's an attitude to embrace. In the same way that Jesus embraced. It's no good us just sitting there. Well, I haven't got the gift of serving, so I'm okay. 
But there is a call to all of us to serve one another. But there are to certain people who are given that special anointing, that special grace to go over and above and beyond in their service of others. You could say Mother Teresa is someone of that ilk who goes over and above and beyond the norm. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever gift, yes. Whatever gift. Stepping back into Galatians, Paul is arguing over this, uh, what is the life in the spirit? Let's just take something else. Familiar words? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he's saying, that's the fruit, that's the outcome of life in the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit are not personal attainment badges. Like those of you who are in Girl Guides or Boy Scouts used to get and pin them on your sleeves. They're not personal attainment badges but attitudes to be embraced and lived out in the community of Christ's body, the church. Where are those fruits demonstrated? Those fruits are demonstrated in relationship with other people. I cannot say that I have the fruit of love unless I just demonstrate that fruit of love. I cannot say that I have these attitudes, these fruits, unless I demonstrate them. And where do I demonstrate them? But in the body of Christ, in community, in relationship with one another. Yes, maybe there are some times when I need to be patient with myself and not run ahead of myself. But that's a bit iffy, isn't it, really? It's only when you irritate me that then I need to be practicing patience and developing patience. We cannot demonstrate these fruits outside of community and in service of one another. Serving one another, making the pieces fit. Everything that we've been talking about over these recent weeks, making all those different pieces fit. And it comes together in the attitude of serving one another. What does it mean to serve one another, according to Paul in Galatians? Well, it means standing with those who fall. The ministry of restoration. But we do it with humility. That's what he's told us in chapter 5, to serve one another humbly in love. We do it in humility because we need to watch ourselves. Or you may be tempted by that same sin, that same failing. But we also do it gently. We also do it gently. Now what's gently? Gently. It's a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. 
There's no sense of accusation. You know what I mean? David, you shouldn't be doing that. You know it's wrong. But you come alongside David. Do you think there's a little bit better way of doing that? David, do you really think that's the right way of saying that? Do you really think that you should be speaking to somebody like that? You see, when we think of someone who is caught in sin, we think of somebody caught in murder, adultery, gambling or whatever, things that don't touch us. But what about those casual words that we all use? Those dismissive words? Those words that put other people down? How about those challenges when we're thinking selfishly and thinking, well, I'd really love to buy that new car. Even though you've got a two-year-old car that is perfectly adequate. But you're being selfish and self-absorbed. The challenge of standing with those who fall. But we're also called to hold, uh, hold up, hold up those who are struggling, carry each other's burdens. But again, in in verse 4, we're called to test our actions. What does it mean to test our actions? Well, who are we doing it for? Are we really doing it for them? Or are we doing to make us look good? Are we really supporting them, holding them up? Yes, there's a sense in verse 5, it says that we need to take responsibility. I can't sit back and say, well, I've made a mess of my life. Now you lot, you can sort it out for me. I need to take responsibility, yes. But I also need people to come alongside and to help me carry my burdens. Now I have been privileged over the 13 years to hear to be aware of many of the ways that you do hold people up. Some very sacrificially. I know of envelopes that go through doors at certain times with money in them that pay for a new washing machine. I know for people who spend hours that they hadn't necessarily allocated just listening to someone because they need a listening ear. I know of people who turn up on doorsteps with a meal or a cake or a gift just to say, I love you. And it could go on. It could be that card through the letterbox. It could be that text over the phone. It could be, yes, prayer. But don't let's just simply hide behind that. That is one way that we can hold people up. But prayer is a little bit by like faith. Faith without actions are dead. And sometimes we need to recognise too that prayer without action is dead because God might just simply be saying to me, David, you're praying that, but you can be the answer to that prayer. You can hold them up. I know of people who have sat, sat down with others and yes, help them sort out their finances because their finances are in a mess. I know people who have sat by people's bedsides and held their hands 
as they're waiting for operations or as they're taking their dying breath. There are many ways in which we can hold one another up. But then there's also that challenge of keeping going and not giving up. Verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We hear so much, you know, and I've used the term compassion fatigue, don't we? We get overwhelmed by the bombardment, particularly this time of year, things that come on the TV, things that come through the letterbox. We give to this appeal and that appeal and this appeal and so forth. But here in the Gospel, it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You see, there is something about serving one another that, yes, if you like, is energy sapping. It does take time, it does take energy. But hear what Paul is saying. But we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest there. As we keep going and we keep giving, and we keep serving. John Wesley said these words, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. That takes us out of our self-centred living, doesn't it? Billy Graham said, God has given us two hands, one to receive and the other to give with. We are not systems made for hoarding, we are channels made for sharing. Our desire is that Bretton Baptist Church should become that community of acceptance, of love, where we value one another, where we come in a spirit of unity where we encourage one another and where we serve one another. God bless you and thank you. Let's pray. Father, we just take this teaching that we've had over these recent weeks and we bring it back to you and we offer it back to you and we pray that we might become or we might become more of a community that mirrors the life of Jesus in who we are and in what we do. Amen.